Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Our scripture reading today comes from John 15, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are times that we simply cry out to you and scream and shout and you and your love welcome us in, and there are times that all we can do is be silent with you, and there are times that we love to just be with you. And yeah, different ones of us right now are in each of those places, no doubt, and you welcome us. Open our hearts and our minds. Reshape our lives, Lord Jesus that this truth of your friendship for us won't just be something we know, but it'll be something that we, we live. We ask this through your strong power and deep love for us. Amen. So as we've done some other times, a little word association. Uh, You can probably guess the word that we'll go with first, but friend or friendship. Let's, you know, you can, either one of those. Just word association, shout it out. I know we've got mass. It's going to make it hard to, um, you know, hear each other. But what comes to mind when you hear the word friend or friendship? Just word association or maybe images that come to mind. Fun? Good. Trust? Love? I heard something really quietly over this direction. Okay, yeah. Say again. Dialogue, okay. Talking back and forth, right? Good. What are some other things? Friend or friendship? Just, again, it can be an image maybe or a word. A hug, okay. Designated driver. Designated driver. Hey, yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah? Eating together. Food. Coffee. Other things? Caring. Caring. Yeah. Anything else? 
Hospitality, good. One or two more? Cake. Cake? What? Yes? <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. I, I'm a big fan of cake as well. All right, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. And my daughter's going to think this is for her specifically, but this has a point with the sermon. It'll sound like a non sequitur. Just go with me. Dance. Word association, images, what comes to mind when you... Joy. Okay. Fun. Fun. Show. Show. Nutcracker. Nutcracker. Yeah, we were waiting for that one. Yeah. <laughs> hmm? P&B, yeah, Pacific Northwest Ballet, been a big part of our lives from uh, September to a few days ago. Um, rhythm. Rhythm, okay, good. Grace. Grace, what was that? Aerobic. Aerobic, yeah, it certainly can be, yes. Strength. Strength, good. Anything else? Peace, Peace. yeah. Partners. Partners, good. Dance. Music, yeah? Culture. Culture. What was that? Stress reliever. Stress reliever, yeah, right? Being in rhythm with other, there's all kinds of demonstrated, scientifically demonstrated health and psychic benefits from being in rhythm with other people. Anything else? So we start out this way because as Christians watching God's work through history, we start out with the opening pages of Genesis, in the beginning, God. There's one God, God created, in the beginning, God created. The heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, it's chaos, no place for habitation, but then the Spirit of God is hovering over the water, so there's some sense that God's Spirit is God and yet somehow distinct from God or something. It's a little unclear from Genesis. And then God speaks, and the order begins to come. There's, there's place for life to flourish. There's structure and order that's not a, a static, this is perfection, this can't be altered. You know, the Mona Lisa, how dare you do anything to change even one fleck of paint. It's perfect in the sense that it's perfectly situated for life to begin to grow and develop and change and do things but in the beginning, God, one God, and there's the Spirit, and then God speaks, and as the story of the Bible progresses, when Jesus enters the world, and John, in the beginning of this gospel, calls Jesus the Word of God, in the beginning, the Word, clear reference back to Genesis, and the image that throughout the history of the Christian church that theologians have gone to, actually, among others, is that of dance. That because God, as God interacts with us, begins to show us more of who he is from eternity past into eternity future, that this one God exists in eternity as three persons who are somehow distinct and yet not one in will and yet relate with each other. In other words, Father, Son, and Spirit relate to each other in this interwoven relationship. And theologians from ancient to modern have used the image of a dance, partnership, joy, rhythm, expression, and, by the way, friendship. 
See, as Christians, we normally pull the language of family first, and there's all kinds of good reasons for that. The language of family, being brothers and sisters, God is our father, we're adopted as children into God's family, that's woven all the way through. God uh, choosing Abraham to create a new nation, this new family through whom God will restore creation. The language of family is all the way through, but here as well is this language of friendship. Certain people are called friends of God, including Abraham and Moses. Earlier in the Gospel of John, this guy named Lazarus is named as Jesus. Jesus himself names Lazarus as his friend. And then here in what Eileen just read for us, he's calling these 12 disciples his friends. And as we as Christians have reflected on this over 2,000 years, a lot of people, a lot of community, a lot of voices, a lot of conversation, as we've reflected on this, we've realized this is another facet of the same reality. Yes, God adopts us, brings us into his family. Jesus is son by nature. We're adopted as sons and daughters into God's family. We're also brought in as friends. And this language of friendship, I think, lets us see some things about the love of God that we would miss if we stay with family language only. Does that make sense? It's a different facet. It's not contradictory. It's just like a gemstone. Some of you have some on your fingers or earrings or on a pendant, or at least you have something at home, right? You, you turn a gemstone, and each time you turn it and look at a different facet, it's, it's the same stone. It's just different. You're seeing something different. And so this language of friendship we're going to explore both this morning and for the rest of January and February, this friendship that God invites us into through Jesus and then invites us to express outward, to be people who, like Jesus comes, chooses these disciples, befriends them, befriends us, we then have the opportunity to receive his friendship and then turn around and experience God in our taking steps of friendship with others. And to make sure that we're getting into Jesus' words more than my words, we're going to do this in community. And so I have printed out, if I could get a couple people to help pass out, not you, you're, <laughs> you're, you're a chair bound, my friend. <laughs> so Dolly wants to help too. <laughs> So what's coming around is a sheet of paper that has the text for the day printed on it. This is mine that I've marked up a bit. I um, should have arranged for pens and pencils. If you don't have one, um, Liz is going to get some from the office. She'll be right back. Um, if you don't have one in a minute here, raise your hand and you'll be provided with one. So as you take this paper, just really briefly, if we had a, a whole hour to just spend on this text, we would you know, do other things. Here, we're going to do a very abbreviated conversation. But take just a minute to read through it, 
silently, or if you need to mumble on, under your breath, that's completely fine. And honestly, if you need to speak out loud, we're, we're, we're good. We're family. We're friends, right? Uh, just read through it one more time and look for repeated words. Look for the logic. Look for we can be uh, literary English majors for just a moment here. Even if you're an engineer, it won't hurt. You're okay. Uh, really briefly, as a whole big group, again, feel free to shout out. What are just observations? Let's hold off on interpretation, or it means this. Let's let's hold off on those kind of comments, but of just the basic observations, what do you notice in what Jesus says here? And again, the context is, this is Jesus' last meal with his disciples. There is at least the 12 guys here, and, well, 11. Judas has already left the room. So there's the 11 guys here, and perhaps some others. We're not, it's, it's a little ambiguous. But certainly these are Jesus' closer disciples. And he's telling them a bunch of things before he's going to get hauled off, kangaroo court, condemned to death, and then crucified uh, the next morning. So this is one of the things that he says to them that last night together. But with that context in mind, just what do you, what do you notice? Again, it could be grammar stuff, repeated words, an idea, just something about the order of things, just something that had to feel to you. What do you notice? Yeah, there could, there could be a comma between, yeah, all the middle, right in the middle, all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Feel free to add one if that helps. We can mark up, mark up our papers. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about verse 14 and the conditional nature of friendship. <laughs> you are my friends if you do what I can do. <laughs> okay, yeah. Of my that, <laughs> I be my okay, good, yeah, so... So observing both that, um, yeah, there's a condition put here, and observing that this is not the same kind of condition we put on our friendships, right? This is different. Two very good observations. Yes. Other things we notice. Again, feel free to shout them out. Okay, yeah, the command to love one another as I have loved you, that's a big commandment, yes. And uh, repeated twice here, right? Other things that we notice. Yeah, Jesus is about to do what he says here, no greater love, lay down your life for your friends, yes. And you could translate it just as easily, lay down yourself for your friends. The word here is... um, Suke, like your inner being, your whole being. From where we get psychology, right? Anything else you notice? Lily, yeah? Okay, the difference between friendship. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the difference, there's a difference between friendship and servant. Yes. Yeah, and in case you're wondering, this is another example of English translation is avoiding the word slave. Uh, this is, that, that is actually the word uh, doulas. It's uh, somebody who somebody else owns, um, which always makes us as Americans uncomfortable, but that is the word here. Jonathan. 15 U's. Okay, yeah, he's, <laughs> he, 
he wants to make sure that these guys understand, and, and again, quite possibly women here too. Um, I happen to think some other people are in the room, not just the 11 guys. 15 U's. You, 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 you. Other things. Maybe two or three more, one, two, three more observations, and then we'll, we'll move along. Okay, so, so Omid's sharing that in Iranian culture, this language actually gets used. It's like, I'm not, if I'm, correct me if I miss it, but I'm not worthy to be your friend. I'm just your servant. Right, exactly. As a way of sort of honoring the other person in actually a friendship. Right. But yeah. So Jesus being very Middle Eastern here, right? Because he is. That's where he chose to be incarnated. One or two more. Yeah, Jonathan, and then Eileen. So that you will say it louder. Okay, yeah, he says that too. So that you will, um, so that you will know, so that you will, oh, love, yes, yes. Says that twice. Eileen? I was just going to comment on the choice. The choice wasn't our, the, you know, wasn't the people he was talking to. The choice was his. He chose the people who were going to. Yeah, Jesus took the initiative here, right? He's like, you guys didn't. And if you read through the story in any of the four biographies of Jesus, that is abundantly clear, right? The guys, generally speaking, take relatively little initiative, if any. Jesus comes to them, Jesus initiates with them, and even if they take some small amount of initiative, it's mostly Jesus coming, 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 coming again and again to, to these guys. 16 years. Oh, 16 years, corrected number, 16 instead of 13. All right. So there's been a lot of observations. You've heard each other, and now I know Omicron, but... We're all masked. I'm going to be masked again in a second here because I'm going to ask you to turn to each other. Take these first two questions. Who is God? What has he done? And you can, who is Jesus? What has he done? Briefly, turn to each other. What do we see about the character of Jesus? Who is Jesus, his character? And what does Jesus do for these people as well as for us? We're going to have a brief couple of conversations with each other. We're going to pull it back, and then I have some closing exhortation um, drawing from some stories in the Gospel of Mark, actually. But right now, we'd like you to gather in at least twos or threes with each other. Who is God? Who is Jesus? What is, and then what does he do concretely here in this passage? Really briefly, let's take like four minutes. Find a couple other people, turn around. It can be just one other person. If you want to do threes or fours, that's great, but at least one other person. And again, the question is, who is Jesus, his character, and what does he do? What has he done? We'll get to that. First, the ones about Jesus and what, is he, what has Jesus done. All right, I'm, I hate cutting off conversation because you obviously are very engaged. Every single group is, is talking actively, but we've got we to move on here. 
you guys can go and like do, do this kind of thing like on your own, like in your houses, coffee shops. This is, this is a thing, right? But I'm going to move us on. In the biographies of Jesus, there's a multitude of ways that Jesus takes initiative with people, draws them in, befriends them. And even though the three stories I'm going to share right now aren't in the Gospel of John, they happened, and there's certainly things that these guys had experienced. In the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, after Jesus bursts on the scene, uh, for funsies, if you ever want to count repeated words, count the word immediately or immediately or very soon or right away in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. It's all over the place. But as Jesus bursts on the scene and just does stuff, he interacts in chapter 1 and 2 with three different people befriending them. And I think are, give us concrete images for how Jesus befriends us. One of these is a leper, and leprosy is a nasty disease, Hansen's disease in particular, which isn't the only kind of leprosy, but Hansen's disease where you lose feeling, and because you can't feel pain, you end up hurting yourself, and then they get infected, and it's nasty. Um, because of that, and just human reactions to somebody else being disfigured, and indeed, cleanliness rules so that you're not passing it along to other people. People who had this disease, family of diseases, had a bunch of rules on them and a bunch of ways that they're completely shut off from regular society. Among other things, they would, nobody could touch them, right? Because it's, it's communicable. Well, in the first chapter of Mark, this leper comes to Jesus and asks to be healed. And Jesus speaks... And the leper is completely made well. But Jesus does something else. Jesus touches the leper. Jesus has already actually healed this person. But Jesus touches them. And then he actually sends the leper to go show his healing to the priests. In other words, it isn't a completely private thing. A few people around watching... Jesus' intention is that this person get restored in society at large, be manifestly shown, proved to be beyond all doubt, clean, healed, done, able to be back, reintegrated into society. So no, notice this person who's been completely shunned for, you know, some, some reasons, is now completely included by Jesus himself and now, again, the rest of society. Immediately after that, we get this story, which is uh, one of the most hilarious stories, I think, in Scripture. Um, vandalism for God, right? Uh, there's these four guys who have a friend, and there is a, a picture. Four guys with a friend who's paralyzed, and they can't get into the house where Jesus is teaching, so they dig through the roof to let the guy in, so he can get in the middle of the crowd um, in front of Jesus. And Jesus forgives his sin, and then heals him, but before he forgives the guy's sin and, and heals him, he says, he sees the, it says in each of the Gospels, that Jesus sees the faith of the four guys who brought their friend. It's not the paralytic who has a lot of faith, it's the four friends who are named that trust Jesus enough to go to those kinds of extremes to get their friend 
to Jesus. And then he, again, forgives the guy's sin and, and heals him. Which is a marvelous, I think, affirmation of active, committed, dedicated, initiative-taking friendship for those four guys who bring the paralytic to Jesus. And then the next story after that is, and there's, again, a picture up on the screen. Uh, The next story after that is Jesus calling a guy named Levi in the other gospel. He's Matthew, who's a tax collector. Now, the mere fact that this guy is a tax collector says probably, at least up to this point, he hasn't probably been the most uh, faithful synagogue goer. Certainly other people in society are going to see him as someone who wants nothing in particular to do with God or being on the side of God's people because he's collaborating with the enemy, occupier, right? But Jesus takes the initiative with Levi, this guy who isn't taking any initiative, as far as we're told, with Jesus. Jesus takes the initiative, goes to his tax office, calls Levi to follow, and then what happens next, next picture, is Levi calls a big party for all of his friends who are also people who are named as tax collectors and various kinds of people in obvious and flagrant sin, (laughs) invites Jesus over to dinner at his house with all these people who again, the rest of society would have seen as completely wanting nothing to do with God. And yet, Jesus' initiative with Levi, Levi's initiative with his friends, and with Jesus bringing them all together, and they're at a big old party in Levi's house. And even though Mark isn't using the the language of friend here in these, these stories, I think we're entitled to see it in the lens of friendship. In each one of these cases, Jesus is taking initiative to establish a relationship with these individuals, yeah? With the leper individually, with the group of five bringing, you know, four guys and their paralytic friend, and with however many people are in Levi's house. Here's a little thought exercise. How is Jesus initiating with us? And a way to sort of get into that is, which of those characters might we identify with more? Do I feel this week, today, this morning, do I feel like in relationship to God and and perhaps others, do I feel like I'm more like a leper? that I just, I can't get close. I would want to, I would love to, but I can't. There's these things and there's these rules and I'm wrong. And if you're feeling like leper, there's good news for you. Jesus comes and touches lepers. Maybe you identify with the paralytic who just, you're frozen. You can't feel like you just, there's nothing you can do. And every time you try, it just doesn't work. Or maybe you feel like you identify with these four friends who bring their frozen person to Jesus, and you just want nothing more than just, if only my friend could meet Jesus. There's so many things that, and you're trying, and the house is full, and you can't get in, and you're at that point, right? 
Or perhaps for some of us, we identify with Levi. We're just kind of doing our life. And God's somewhere, and we may not be super opposed to God, but there's at least a part of our life where we're just kind of blasé and we're doing our thing. But Jesus is showing up to where we're counting the money, our context where we're just, eh, about God. But he's taking initiative with you. Because all of us can be in any one of those positions at different points in our life, yeah? Maybe a couple of them simultaneously. If we were all better friends in this room, because this, this could be pretty personal, and if we had some more time, I would bring you back into groups and share where, where you're feeling, which character you identify with, um, I'm not going to do that right now. But I do encourage you to take this in. The whole point of Christmas, again, is Jesus initiating with us. Jesus come to share our life with us. And that's not just true back then. It's true right here, right now, whether you're here in person or online. He is taking initiative with you to befriend you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you feel is wrong inside, no matter, he's with you. And that's the foundation of all of our beginning to reach out to others, which is where we're going to be talking about the rest of January and February. Jesus befriending us happens first, and then we get to be reconnected with each other. And again, whether you're feeling like the leper or feeling like the paralytic or feeling like Levi or indeed the guys taking the paralytic, Jesus is with you. Let him touch you and be made whole. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Open us up, Lord Jesus, to, to you. In the times that we, we take initiative to, to meet you in scripture and prayer, places like this right now, and meet us, open us up to you in all the things of everyday life throughout the week. In our meals, in our resting, in our phone calls and texts, at our job, when we're just relaxing. Open us up, Lord Jesus, to your friendship and make us whole, we pray in your name. Amen.